Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Well, um, I want to talk today um, and tie this in a little bit to discipleship, but I want to talk about um, trust the process. Trust the process. Um, There are, and I'm going to be covering the three P's of process, the three P's of process. And number one would be preparation. Preparation. Number two is perspective. And number three is patience. Preparation, perspective, and patience, the three P's of process. Uh, Process is defined as a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. A series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. Uh, How many have processes on your job? Uh, processes you go through uh, in your own life, in your relationships, in your emotions. There's a lot of different processes that we go through, step-by-step actions that we take to achieve a particular end. And um, all throughout Scripture, we find detailed step-by-step processes, starting with creation. We, uh, these repeatable, redundant processes are necessary for our own personal growth, Um, as well as the growth of the body of Christ. So these processes, step-by-step, detailed processes happen all throughout Scripture, and it starts in uh, Genesis with creation. Uh, What seems like boring, you know, ritualistic routines are actually vital and necessary processes that sustain our lives. Uh, Jesus modeled the first detailed process in Genesis when he strategically and intentionally created the earth and everything in it. Um, this was a step-by-step process, a, uh, um, something that was in its right order, was in its right place, um, and was done the way that God had designed it. And so um, that leads us to our first, the first P of process, and that is preparation. So from the very first passage of Scripture, a process was established. The, uh, the first seven days give us a glimpse into God's mindset and a wonderful example um, of, of a, a good structured process. Um, in Genesis, and I'm going to read through uh, quite a bit of Genesis 1, basically the, the entire chapter of Genesis 1. Um, so this is Genesis 1, 1 through um, uh, ver- verses 1 and 1, and then also uh, going through chapter 2 and verse 3. Um, It says in Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now this sounds like a great start. A great start to something exciting. A blank canvas. An opportunity that they have to... um, that's had to create something wonderful, create something amazing with this blank canvas. 
Uh, where it goes from here is completely up to the creator. But this is one of the most crucial moments in the process, laying the foundation and framework for everything that comes next. So this initial, um, initial, I love, I, I love the background soundtrack. It's amazing. It's a nice little warm soundtrack. Um, um, but this, um, this lays the foundation. So the, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. This, all the symbolism of this blank canvas, this opportunity to create anything that you want. And so the creator creates something amazing. What we are experiencing here today, the intricacies of our life and all of the details of creation and all of that are, are, were started with this blank canvas, this void and this darkness. So it, it's, but it, it is all dependent upon what the creator does from this step forward. And this is laying the foundation. So in verse three, it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And so within these first few passages of scripture, we see that there was water, um, and that there was darkness, and then that he created and spoke, and there was light. And so right away we see two crucial ingredients uh, for sustaining life on earth. Light and water. So ask any farmer, any green thumb, um, what they need to produce growth, and you will hear every time that you need two things. You need, you need light and you need water. Obviously, the soil that you plant it in, but, but you could plant it in the soil, and if you don't have light and you don't have water, you're not going to grow anything. So seeds start from that place of, that, that foundational point of having light and having water. So Jesus starts this process of structure for the earth by creating light and creating water, that there's water um, uh, that God moved upon the face of the waters, that's in verse two, and that he created light and there was light and darkness, day and night, and this cycle will continue for eternity. It will continue on um, as we know it. <clears throat> and so immediately we see that God in proper order created the components needed to sustain life for the plants he was yet to create days later. So when we think of creation, it is not just this um, list of things that he created uh, at different moments or whatever, but this was a, a list of things that he created in order so that when he created plants, future, uh, going down a few verses, that there would be a foundation laid so that those plants could sustain life. So water was created, or, or there was water, there was light created, and then as we go down, it says, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, let it divide the waters from the waters, this was the heavens, the firmament, and God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. So here we have dry land, we have sun, we have water, all of these things created before plants were ever created. 
So a foundation was being laid in the process of creation. And God called, um, and so in verse 9, God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass. So right after, he's talking about creating light, darkness, the, the daytime, the night, all of these things, water, um, earth, the soil, all of these things that are necessary for sustaining life for these plants was created before the plants were created. Now, a lot of us in the midst of the process in preparation for things, because we're talking about preparation, um, we like to jump ahead. We like to skip ahead. We would love to create the beautiful things that we see. We love to create the things that are exciting, the, the plant life, the vegetation, all those beautiful things. But it starts with that foundation laid of, of sunlight, of soil, of water, all of these things laid as a foundation so that, that um, life could be sustained here on earth. So um, it goes on to say that God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed. Again, here, herb yielding seed, a, um, herbs that could actually reproduce from the seeds that they, that they create. And the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. So just days later, God then creates all the components that will be reliant on those things that he just created. God prepared the means for sustainability um, right before creating those things that would need that sustenance. Skip uh, the previous steps, and the creation of herb-yielding seeds is all for naught. If you skip ahead from any of those other things, you would be creating things that would just die before they had even a chance to grow. And so in this process, talking about trusting the process, and we're um, covering the three Ps of that process, preparation, perspective, and patience. So in our preparation, we see this example modeled by Jesus that um, that. We're not to skip ahead. We're not to go to the finish line right now. We're not to, um, to try to make things happen before it's time. But we are to follow the process that's laid out for us, which is sometimes grueling, which is sometimes slow, and sometimes takes a lot of time to develop the foundations that are needed for growth. But these things are necessary, or you will not have a root system that will be able to sustain itself. And so, um, how many times have we wasted maybe months or even years of our life because we refused to do the necessary steps, the prep work, before moving on to the next step? And so, um, a lot of times we build something and it's not, you know, it might look good on the outside. It might be, we may have, uh, if we had been in charge of creation, said, uh, I'm going to create all the plants, I'm going to create all the, the wildlife, all these things before I ever started anything else. And, and yes, that might look good for a while, but it is not going to sustain itself. And so in verse 14 of Genesis 1, 
It says, and God said, let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Again, going back to that, laying the foundation for what will sustain plants long term is, you know, you could, you could have the light, you could have the water, you could have all these things, but if you do not have seasons, if you do not have all these other things, it's all for naught. And so it says in verse 15, and let them uh, be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the great light to rule the day, the lesser night to, to rule the night. He, uh, he made the stars also, and God set, set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So God even created uh, galaxies and stars and all of these things that would actually be needed by farmers to sustain plant life. Um, this, the changing of the seasons, the changing of, uh, of uh, the, the stars and the patterns in the sky and things that you could look to and see, now I know um, how to keep these plants alive because of the changing of the seasons and different things. So all of this was laid out in a process, in a step-by-step -step process that if you leave one of them out, you're, you're, you're going to struggle and you're not going to be able to build the growth that you want to build. And so, um, skipping down, it says in verse 20, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created whales and every living creature that moveth with the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let, the, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God's, God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. I think if I was in charge, I probably would have skipped the creeping thing on the earth step. But... Um, it says so, uh, and God said, and this is that very important moment, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the, the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And, the do and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree, and the which is the fruit of, of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. So God had created a step in the process that allowed him to sustain life for plants and then created those plants who are, were now able to survive because of the process that he had put in place. And then beyond that, 
God created man who would then consume the plant, and then that plant would be able to uh, continue to regenerate itself through seeds. All of this is a step-by-step process. This isn't just a list of things that were created at random, but these are a list of things that were done in a very specific strategic order. Um, And so finally it says, "And, and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air, to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And then finally in in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. So very important step in the process, rest. Every step in the process of creation was vital for the next. In the process, God also gave us a model for the seven-day work week that we have and that we still use to this day, that, that we work, um, you know, the, the five-day work week, I guess I should say, but we, we take Sunday as a time um, to rest and relax and take a break from work. So this is another vital step that is, if bypassed, would lead to uh, imbalance in our lives. There's a tree um, called a, it's just a, it's called a Chinese bamboo tree. And the uh, tree begins as a, as a nut planted in the soil, and it must be watered and fertilized every single day for five years before it finally breaks through the ground. Can you imagine that? Every single day, going out and watering and fertilizing it, for five years, every single day. So all that time it spends, uh, it it spreads out its roots, and if any time uh, the watering or fertilizing process stops, the Chinese bamboo tree dies in the ground. But in the fifth year, the Chinese bamboo tree finally breaks through the ground and grows to nearly 90 feet tall in just six weeks. The tree must take five long years of developing a strong, deep, wide root system so it doesn't topple over when it is grown. So if you want beautiful results, trust the process. Even if you don't see the results, that is what our whole foundation of faith is built upon, is this process of trusting in God through every step of the way. And that takes us to our second P in the uh, three P's of process, and that is perspective. So we've talked about we talked about our um, the uh, preparedness that we have to take in the process. Now let's talk about perspective. If if you or I were to jump at any uh, jump to any stage of a deep, well planned process, we would likely question everything we see. Most of us are in those stages of life where we are questioning everything that is currently going on and wonder how on earth this stage is necessary, that it's helpful, all of that. We question that every single day. How can this step in the process make any sense for what's happening? So many of us know the story of Joseph, but this is an 
excellent story in perspective in the process. Genesis, I'm going to be reading and uh, skipping around quite a bit, but in Genesis 37 is where we'll start. Genesis 37, 3 through 4. Joseph was a dreamer and an interpreter of dreams. But where it all started, um, we see in Genesis 37, 3 through 4, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Skipping down to verse, uh, well, going to the next verse in verse 5, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. It's not bad enough that he was the, the, the special child, but now he tells him a dream that makes him look even worse as you know, more arrogant or more, you know, preferred over his brothers. So it says, and he said unto them, here I pray you the dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made, um, made obeisance uh, to, my, to my sheaf upright. Um, it says, and, and his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. How many of you have had a moment where you had a vision or a dream for something in the future, and you were excited about it, something that that you um, knew was going to be great and, and awesome in your life, and, you know, the big moment in your life, something you dreamed about, maybe you wanted to start a business, or you wanted to do something exciting with your life, and you started telling people about your dreams. One of the worst ways to kill a dream is to just start telling everybody about it. In many cases, it's not the best idea to go around sharing your dreams with everyone. And so, but in this case, it was necessary that his brothers know his dream as it would set him up uh, on a path that would lead to the fulfillment of those dreams. And later, they would come to find that that dream had purpose. So we skip down to, to verse 19 when he was cast into a pit and sold into slavery. It says, and they said one to another, behold, the dreamer cometh. They had already labeled him the dreamer. The dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath, hath devoured him. And we shall see uh, what will become of his dreams. That's pretty brutal. Coming from your own brothers to desire to to destroy you and destroy all your dreams and all those things. And so, you know, one of the brothers stepped up and said, no, let's not kill him, but, we, you know, let's cast him into the pit. And then uh, it turns out they ended up selling him uh, to the Egyptians. And, and so uh, all of this is happening in this process where he had had this dream, saw his brothers bowing, you know, their sheaves bowing down to him. And now you look at it and, and in this perspective of the process of, of this journey of his life, he starts to, to see things that seem completely contrary to what he just dreamed. 
and what he just saw. And I, I guarantee you in that moment where he was, um, you know, his brothers were discussing what to do with him. I mean, he was probably fearing for his life. He was being cast into a pit. Even if they didn't kill him, just casting him into the pit alone could have killed him. And, and so they had all these terrible ideas for him, all these terrible plans for him. And um, then we skip down into uh, Genesis 39.4. It says, And Joseph found grace in his sight. So at this point, he'd already been a slave. But he found grace in the sight of his master, and, um, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and, and all that he had, um, he put into his hand. So, if we were to zoom in on Joseph's life in that moment, where he's cast into the pit, where he's sold into slavery, even just being sold into slavery alone, um, seems like the end right there. I could, we could close the book on, on Joseph's life, we could stop there, we could, we could no longer, we could think that the process just doesn't work, that I don't trust God anymore because the process failed. And we may be in that spot right now where we're in that moment of transition in the process between what we've been given as promises and what God has spoken to us and all of those things, and we don't believe a word of it because... Everything in front of us says completely the opposite. And, you know, 2020, they say the year of vision, perspective, all of those things. The hindsight is 2020. We can look back on, and we're looking at it now. We're looking at Joseph's life, and, and I can say, well, you, you got to trust him. I mean, God's going to get you through this. But when you're in that moment, it's, almost impossible to believe that God's going to do it, that God's going to bring you out of it, that when you're hungry and malnourished in the, in the pit and you see the end of your life coming, that it's impossible, it's almost impossible to see that God is still in this. And so Joseph found grace in the, in the sight of his master. He served him and he made him overseer. So we're starting to see favor in his life. We're starting to see that through this process, this perspective now, it's, you can see a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. I've come out of this moment. I've come out of the pit. I've come out of being sold into slavery. Now I'm an overseer. I could see where, I could see where my brothers at some point would their, their sheaves bow before me because I have a little bit of favor. I have a little bit going on for me. I have a little bit of power. So I can, I can see that in the distance. But then... Um, things took a turn for the worst again. And so in verse 20, it says that Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in prison. He was falsely accused. Um, he was falsely accused and uh, had to go back to prison, uh, back into bondage, back into chains. And so um, again, we've all been there where we've had these victorious moments where we see that God is in this. He still cares about me. He's still there. Um, but then you take a step back and you're back in prison or you're back in bondage again. And, and so it's very hard in those moments to see the perspective that, that there is still a process in place and that God is still doing something. And so um, moving along, G uh, Genesis 41, uh, 15, 
it says, And Pharaoh said unto him, he's still in prison, said unto Joseph, I have, a, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. So all of a sudden, Pharaoh takes notice of him. He's in prison. But again, he, he receives a little bit of favor, a little glimpse of something in his life. And so it says in verse 29, Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. So he gives the interpretation of the dream, and the dream is that there will be seven years of plenty and seven years of drought. And then in verse 40, it says, Thou shalt be over my house. This is Pharaoh speaking. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. He was given elite status. He went from the being favored in his father's house to being in a pit to coming out of that and being favored in the sight of, of his master to falling back into a place of pri imprisonment and bondage and then finding himself back in favor it would be impossible for any of us in those situations to know what was going to happen in the future to look at the moment i'm in the pit and think that someday i'm going to be elite status with pharaoh and so that is the importance of perspective in the process is that not to look at where i'm at right now and not to look at this this minimal place that I'm at this this moment minimal moment in the lifetime in my lifetime and say that this is it this is all that's going to happen you know it could be it could be uh, disease it could be sickness it could be anything that you think defines you in this moment but but those things didn't end up defining Joseph and it says finally in um, uh, going down um, I believe it's first or chapter 50 Verse 6, possibly. I don't have the chapter on here, but it is verse 6. It says, And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came. We're seeing it come together, seeing the dream coming, coming to pass, and bowed themselves before him and their faces to the earth. So jump to any of those many stages of the process of Joseph's development without seeing the full picture, and it, it could be very easy to get discouraged. But trusting God through it all, we will see those promises fulfilled. And so finally, I want to talk about patience as we come to an end here in just a few minutes. Patience. Patience in the process. Um, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, talks about a great cloud of witnesses. It says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. These are people who have gone through a life like Joseph's, who have gone through the ups and the downs of life, the ups and the downs of ministry, the ups and the downs of family life and, and everything that comes with that. We're compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy 
that was set before him. This is almost like Joseph's dream, the joy of, of something that he was looking forward to. He endured all of those things, the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is the author. Jesus is the finisher. We could take the pen out of his hand and we could write our own story and write our own process and say, this is how I think things should go from here on out. This is exactly, if I want to get to from point A to point B, I know exactly what needs to happen in that process. And we can reason that out with ourselves in our own minds and think that, yes, this is exactly what I need to do to be able to get to that place. So we have the perspective of all those who have gone before us, telling us to be patient and keep running. We're compassed with all these witnesses who have done it before. Jesus, who knows the beginning from the end, who authors and finishes our faith, did all that was necessary for the joy that was set before him. He could have skipped ahead. He could have skipped a few steps. He could have um, cut out the hard paths. He could have done all of that, but he didn't. He followed the plan patiently. I mean, when you're being beaten on, and on a cross, and even before that, when you're being poked and prodded and put a crown of thorns in your head, on your head, that has to feel like an eternity when you're going through that. And so to go through that knowing that I'm actually going to die from this, but I'm doing it all because there is a greater plan. So all of these things he did, he stuck around and he did the difficult but necessary things. Galatians 6, 9 says, reap if you faint not and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. This goes back to that book of, that we talked about in Genesis. Um, the story, you know, the, those first moments laying the foundation of the earth. It, it all is symbolic of if you will keep going, if you'll keep pressing on, if you'll keep going forward and with this process, you know it works. You've tried it before. You've seen results in the past. And every time that you see that success and you see God do something great, we saw some amazing things um, in the past couple days with the revival services we had, some things that built your faith up and some things that really built some confidence in you that God is who he says he is and that God will do it. And, you know, we heard, the, we heard all the stories that Brother Smith talked about with um, all the things that, that have happened in the past in this church where he said we double and we doubled and he said we double again and we doubled. And we, we as that, <laughs> thankfully we're not in the cloud yet, but we're that great cloud of witnesses to say, this has happened, and it can happen again. You, this week, have received those things in your spirit that say, I see it now. I, I see that God is real. I see that God can do it. And because of that, if you will keep pressing on in due season, just as been outlined for an eternity in, in the process of growth, if you will keep going and not get weary in all of this and doing well in due season, in due time, you're going to reap. It's just the, the, um, the process of growth. It's the process of planting seeds. So the process sometimes can, can get extremely weary and taxing, but if you will trust God and his process, the results 
will be better than what we could have planned for. for finally, in this last passage, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through verse 7, it says, I have planted, this is Paul speaking, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. God has a process and has a plan. And sometimes trusting in God throughout this and being patient, God's process with patience means that I don't always see the fruit of my labor. I, I may be that portion of the process where I'm not going to see everything that I thought that I would see. But just as God planned in the beginning and as sure as the process of growth is, if you plant seeds and they're properly watered and receive just the right amount of sunlight, they will bear fruit. Can we, as we close today, just ask God to give us a little perspective that God would help us to understand that where we're at right now is not where we're going to end up, that where we're at in this process and, and even a chance to look back and say, look where God brought me from. God brought me a long way from where I am now. I could look at it right now and say, this is a mess. I'm not in the will of God. Nothing's going right. But look where God brought me from. God brought me from a place that I never thought, I never thought I'd be here. But I'm here now because I trusted God through the way. So can we pray for perspective today that God would help us with that? Jesus, we